from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And then in the same chapter, chapter 2, we'll read verses 14 through 18. Then we'll skip ahead again to verse 21. And then we'll read verses 37 through 39. So we're staying in Acts chapter 2, just skipping throughout it for the sake of time. While you're turning there, I just want to say what an immense honor and privilege it is for my wife and I to be here with all of you, with Jesus Church of Watertown, South Dakota. What an incredible group of godly men and women and children. It is our great and esteemed honor to be with you this morning. Thank you for your kindness, for every kind word and handshake. And we look forward to getting to know more of you after service and the next few days as well. To everyone that's visiting today, if you're a visitor, as your pastor's already alluded to, I just want you to know that, of course, the church is so glad that you're here. But more importantly, Jesus is so glad that you're here. And you're not here by accident. Even if someone dragged you out of bed to be here and you didn't even want to be here, you're still not here by accident. God has a plan for you. There's a reason why you're here. And, of course, I want to give honor to your pastor and his wife, brother and sister Brown, and their children. We appreciate them so much. Had the privilege of making their acquaintance for the first time yesterday. And uh, I'm just so thankful to get to make that acquaintance. Um, He is, as he is to many, a hero of ours Uh, From afar, we've listened to his sermons, his preaching, his ministry has impacted so many, and that includes my wife and I. So thank you for your ministry and for the invitation to be here. I want to make this quick, but like I said, I'm going to give honor where it's due. Amen. Thank you so much for hosting us. Amen to Brother Nate and his family for having us in their home. We appreciate them so very much. Appreciate their kindness. And uh, to the sister. Uh, There she is, amen, that put the gift basket together. Thank you. It's stupendous, wonderful. We dove into it ravenously. Thank you so much for putting that together, amen. And it's so good as well to see, brother, is it Brendan? Did I get it right? And his wife, sister Jayla, did I get that right? Okay. Uh, So good to see them here. We had the privilege of meeting in St. Louis, Missouri several years ago. was preaching for the church she was currently attending back then for Brother Blash. And uh, so good to see them in the house of the Lord, amen. Without further ado, I want to turn to... Uh, the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Oh, I would be remiss as well if I didn't thank Brother Jared and his family for hosting us yesterday for the incredible food that they put together for us. Thank you so much. Amen. Now I'm excited for the spiritual food that God has for us. I believe God is already letting us know that he wants to do something special in this house today. How many believe that? How many believe that with me? Amen. Let's let's go to the word from where all our power comes from. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. That just means they all experienced the same thing. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many are thankful for this passage of Scripture? Skipping ahead to verses 14 through 18, the Bible says that Peter is now going to stand up and preach, and he needed to do this to make a defense as to what happened. Because when you hear 120 people speaking in tongues, it draws quite a crowd. So there was quite uh, many people that were confused and wondering what all this was about. And there were some that even accused these uh, 120 peoples of being drunk. And so Peter, of course, now with the boldness of the Holy Ghost, needs to defend and explain what just happened, this outpouring, this Holy Ghost experience. So this is what Peter's doing. 
doing at the beginning of what came to be known as the first Pentecostal sermon. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Hearken unto my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose. These are not drunk like you think that we are, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. He said, it's only 9 a.m. There was not that much time to get toasted like you think we are. But instead, we are drunk on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Continuing, he says, but this is that. What you're seeing and hearing is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What did Joel say? Let's read it. Joel said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This was the prophesy of Joel, and Peter explicitly connected this speaking in tongues experience, this Holy Ghost experience, with the prophecy of Joel, where Joel said that there would be an outpouring of the Spirit. So these things are equivocated. Let's continue to verse 21. Peter is is still coming towards the end of his sermon, and now it's altar call. The musician is coming and Peter's saying in verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody that wants this experience, all you have to do is repent and ask for it and God will give it to you. It's not just a possibility. It's a promise what the Bible says. So let's go ahead to verse 37 through 39. Now Peter has finished his sermon. The altar call appeal is made and the Bible says now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Another translation makes it clear that, that it says that they experienced acute emotional distress. They were very convicted over the sermon that Peter preached because Peter let them know they were guilty of sin like all of us are. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He let them know it was their sins that put Jesus on the cross. They were responsible. So when they heard this, they were pricked and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, you've told us we're guilty. We believe you. Now what shall we do to escape this? What can we do to be saved? And Peter gave them the answer. The gospel message in a nutshell. Peter said unto them, repent. Turn from your sins and turn towards God and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the removal of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, I know most of you have probably read this chapter many times before, even the children gathered here today. But I am still excited about what the word of God says in Acts chapter two. And I took some time on this on purpose. This is our foundation. This is where we draw power from, and this is where we are going to launch for this service today. If you are here and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just like they experienced in the book of Acts all throughout the Bible, if you, uh, it's been a long time since you've experienced this outpouring experience. God has sent a preacher here today with a simple message of hope, a simple message of salvation to let you know that you can experience the same experience, and it is God's will for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and I believe you don't have to wait a day longer. Amen. Hallelujah. What I want to preach to us about today with the help of the Holy Ghost is simply this. It's time for an outpouring. It's time for an outpouring. If you believe that and that resonates with you one more time before you're seated, put your hands together to Jesus and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. One man said this, I'll never forget this quote. He said this, quote, 
It is no use saying that if there is a God who is absolute goodness, that you do not like him and you're not going to bother about him. For the trouble is that one part of you is on his side and really you agree with his disapproval of human greed and trickery and exploitation. Now you may want him to make an exception in your own case to let you off this one time, but you know and I know inside that unless God really detests that sort of sinful behavior, then he cannot be good. On the other hand, we know that if there does exist an absolute goodness, a perfect God, that, that he must hate most of what we do as sinful humans. And this is the terrible fix that we are in. If the universe is not governed by an absolute goodness, then all of our efforts are in the long run hopeless. Amen? But if the universe is governed by an absolute goodness, then we are making ourselves enemies to that goodness every day because of our sin, and we are not in the least likely to do any better tomorrow, and so our case is hopeless again. We cannot do without it, and we cannot do with it. God is the only comfort. He is also the supreme terror, the thing we most need, and yet the thing we most want to hide from. He is our only possible ally, and yet we have made ourselves his enemies through our sin. God is either the great safety or the great danger, depending on the way you react to him, and humanity at large has reacted the wrong way. Herein lies the dilemma of human existence. This is the great fix that we are in. And there had to be an answer to this dilemma of how to be reconciled to this great goodness when we ourselves are so flawed and sinful. There had to be some type of remedy, some type of mediator to stand in the gap that sin placed between us and God. And can I tell you what that answer is? Paul described it in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I'm paraphrasing. He said, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received. Are you ready? Here's the remedy. Paul said that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. I'm just here to remind someone and to preach to the choir today and let you know that the answer to our dilemma is still the gospel message, which is without question the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The answer to all of life's dilemmas, the answer to heartache, pain, anxiety, fear, sickness, and depression is still the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The answer has not changed. It is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it okay if I just preach about the gospel to Jesus Church for a few minutes this morning. The answer to this problem that I described in the beginning of this message is the sacrificial purchase that God made 2,000 years ago on the cross to purchase our salvation. 
Amen. For those that maybe aren't familiar with all of this, let me just let me just refresh your memory. The Bible says that our preaching comes from the power of the cross. So I'm going to take a few minutes and preach the gospel to you and remind you how powerful what we believe in really is. For those that maybe aren't familiar with the story, amen, God was manifest in the flesh. He came down to earth to dwell among us. This plan was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And God did not send another, but he himself overshadowed the Virgin Mary and he was birthed into the world. A God who did not have flesh and blood wanted to die for our sins and to do so he needed flesh, bones and blood. And so he birthed himself into the world. He was manifest into the world and he lived a 100% human life and he was also 100% God at the same time. He slept, he ate, he hungered just like you and I. He went through human experience just like you and I yet without sin. He never ever gave into sin. He was the perfect individual, the only spotless innocent blood that has ever flowed through a human's veins on this planet because he was God manifest in flesh and incredible things happened. He grew up and he had to be trained just like these young people are being trained and he grew up and then his earthly ministry started and he began to perform incredible miracles and uh, he healed blinded eyes. He raised the dead and he forgave prostitutes and he healed deaf ears and he forgave sins. He did things that only God could do because he was and is God manifest in the flesh. Amen. And then the time came after he performed all these miracles, which by the way, that that same spirit is still performing miracles in the world today, 2000 years later. But after performing all these miracles, amen, it was time for him to go to the cross and fulfill the main part of his mission that he came to do. He went to that cross and hung on it with nails through his wrists and a crown of thorns on his head, blood pouring from his wrists, his feet and his head bruised and hurt and, and suffering. And the Bible says that he could have called himself off that cross. He could have called legions of angels to rescue himself, but he did not. He hung there for you and I. When he hung there, he saw the face of every human person that would ever live. When he hung there, he saw my face and he saw your face and your face. He died for all of us gathered in this church and all of us here in Watertown, South Dakota and everybody across the world. He could have saved himself, but he didn't. And so he died in the flesh, gave up the ghost. Amen. But I'm thankful and happy to tell you, of course, the story did not end there, but Jesus won the battle against death, hell, and the grave. And about three days later, the the tomb, the stone of the tomb was rolled away and our Lord and Savior came out of that grave. Amen. Alive and well in resurrection power. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve, a God of resurrection power. Hallelujah. He began to preach and, and, and teach the disciples more things before he ascended into heaven. Amen. And, and before he ascended, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be poured out upon you. And they didn't even fully know what he was talking about. But he had been with them enough. And he had performed enough miracles, especially rising from the dead, that they knew that they could trust the word of Jesus. So they went to Jerusalem. And history tells us that they prayed and they tarried and fasted and worshipped in that upper room, probably for seven to ten days, not knowing exactly what to expect. All they knew was that God gave them a word. And all of a sudden, one day, on the day of Pentecost, they began 
begin to hear a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And this harkens back to John chapter 3 when Jesus said that you'll, the, the wind blows where it wants to and you hear the sound thereof. You don't know where it comes from, where it's going, but you hear the sound thereof. So it is with everyone, everyone, everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so now it's happening. The wind is blowing. All of a sudden, 120 people with hands raised, tears coming down their face, were filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the initial evidence of that. Hallelujah. I'm happy to tell you, Peter was there. James was there. John was there. Mary was there, the mother of Jesus. She had to receive the Holy Ghost just like everyone else. And on that day, the church was born. On that day, the apostolic church that we are a part of was born. Hallelujah. The spirit was poured out and the world was forever changed. Hallelujah. On that day, the the, the prophecies about the last days, amen, began to come into fruition. Pentecost triggered the beginning of the end. And once the spirit was poured out, the clock started ticking. The end times began. And now here we are 2,000 years later and we're even closer to the end than they were. How many know that we're living in the last of the last days? But I said all of that to tell you and remind you that ever since that day in Jerusalem, 2,000 years ago, God has been pouring out the answer for all of humanity. He has been pouring out his spirit and his power, just like he did in Acts chapter 2, just like he did in Acts chapter 8. Is this all right to preach today? Just like he did in Acts chapter 10, just like he did in Acts chapter 19. God is pouring out the same spirit and the same experience, just like he did 2,000 years ago. And if you have never received it, this experience is for you. If you've never receive the Holy Ghost, you don't know joy like you could have. You don't know the peace and the comfort and the hope and the meaning that comes from being filled with the Holy Ghost. And God wants you to have it today. It's time for an outpouring. That's what the prophecy said, that in the last days, it would be time for the Spirit to be poured out upon all flesh. That is certainly the time that we are still living in. Can I tell you that, that, that I know there's, we're dealing with global sickness and, and fear and tyranny and poverty like never before, but it's not time to cower back in fear. It's not time to go to our bunker somewhere. It's not time to hide. It's not time to step back, but it is time for an outpouring of the power, the love, the presence, and the Spirit of God. If you've, if you're here and you've never received it. I don't care if you've prayed once, if you've prayed 20 times, amen. Today can be the day that you receive your miracle, that you receive the outpouring of the spirit of God speaking in other tongues. It's God's will for you to have it. This can be the day where everything changes. This can be the day that you've been waiting for, that God's been waiting for. This can be the day that you mark on the calendar. This was the day that I was filled with the Holy Ghost, just like they were in the Bible. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so thankful for that experience. Amen. All around the globe. I don't have to tell you, you know this. You support missions. This church is aware. This church is a wonderful, powerful church. And you're aware that all around the world, the Spirit's being poured out from, from, from Thailand to Germany to the Philippines to, to the UK. Amen. To, to, to Greece or name any country in the world. And people are being filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. My wife and I have had the privilege of traveling a little bit. Amen. She's done foreign missions work and, and she's been around to, to, to 30 countries or so and she's got me beat and I've been around to 20 countries amen and 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 by the grace of God we've been allowed to do that and I can tell you from our our humble experience that we have seen all around the the globe in different countries people receive the Holy Ghost the same way they do here in Watertown the same way they did in the book of Acts 
It has not changed. You will know that you've been filled when you receive that heavenly experience and God takes over your tongue and you begin to speak in a syllables or dialect, a language that is not your native tongue, but it is a heavenly utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Just recently, my wife and I were actually overseas. Uh, uh, just about, uh, we flew back to the States, I think <clears throat> about two and a half weeks ago. And uh, we were privileged to go overseas, and we were gone for about a month and a half in this country. I can't give the name of the country quite yet for a few different reasons, but my wife and I went there. It's a long story. I, can't, I don't have time today to give you the whole story. But we basically had felt for a few years that God was telling us to go to this country and to just pray and to just see what his will was for this country because this country does not have any truth-preaching churches in the entire nation. There are no oneness churches. There are no apostolic churches in this nation. There's no preaching points, nothing. There's nothing there. And, uh, and, and God laid this on our heart a few years ago, and we've gone, we've gone like once a year since 2018, and we've only been able to go like a week at a time. But we We've gone and just done prayer walks and walked through cities and prayed. And we've prayed through several cities in this nation. And we don't know what God's plan is for us. We don't know if we're supposed to go there full time or if we're just supposed to be a match that lights a flame and hands the match to someone else. I don't know. But we've just been going, trying to follow after the Spirit. And so we were just there and we got to go for the longest stretch of time, a month and a half. And, uh, and we said, okay, God, we're really going to put the pedal to the metal. We're really going to trust you here. We're going to be here every day. We're going to be praying. We're, we're, we're going to be trying to meet people even even though there's a, main, a major language barrier, and we're, we're going to do our best. And, and so we, we bought a guitar and went to this town square and played and sang about Jesus and met people and, and gave a few people some Bible studies and just did what we could. But to be honest, it was a little bit uh, discouraging at times, Pastor Brown, because we didn't really know why exactly we were there. And some of the things that we hoped would happen fell through. And so shortly after getting there, to be honest, I, I wanted to go home. And I was actually looking at flights to go home early because I wanted to dip out of there. And I was Depressed. I didn't understand why we were there and there was rejection and difficulty. Amen. But I'm glad that the Lord halted us and said, be patient, stay there. And so we stayed and about uh, a week or so before we were actually uh, scheduled to fly home, uh, uh, j- which we did just a few weeks ago. Amen. We had this incredible experience. I said all of that to tell you this story. Amen. That one day uh, we were uh, going to a grocery store and we weren't even supposed to be in this grocery store at that time. God, looking back, God divinely ordered our day. Amen. And we were in this grocery store and uh, we saw this woman and uh, she was a Chinese woman. And in this country that we're in, there's not many Chinese people there. So she stuck out. She also stuck out because she was six foot two. Amen. And so that was quite the, uh, the visual experience. And so we, we looked at her and said, snap, that's a, that's a tall person. Wow. And then we just moved on, didn't think anything of it. But my wife, she felt what we later realized was a godly curiosity. And the woman came around the corner again, the six foot two Chinese woman. And my wife stopped her and said, where are you from? Began talking to her. This woman was very, very kind. She was so happy to meet us uh, fellow uh, English speakers. So we began talking. We realized that she was a believer of some kind, not apostolic, but a believer of some kind. She had played professional volleyball on television uh, in China. Amen. And she just has a really incredible story. And so she said that the next day she was taking a bus early in the morning to leave, to go somewhere else far away. And so we knew this would be our only chance to talk to her. We invited her back to our apartment. We got back to the apartment and uh, that we were renting out while we were there and we closed the door. And as soon as we closed the door and she will call her Sarah, as soon as Sarah sat down on the couch, her eyes began to puddle up with tears and tears began coming down her face. And she said, 
Brennan and Briar, you guys don't realize this. She said, but just a few minutes before I walked into that grocery store tonight where you met me, she said, I was praying to God that God would send me someone that could lead me back to him. She said, what you don't realize is, yes, I'm a believer, but I've been far from God. I haven't been living right. I've been living in sin. I've been doing things that I should not do. And I've been living in darkness. And I prayed right before I went into that grocery store that God would lead me to someone that could give me more, take me deeper and take me back to him. And she said, and five minutes later, I met you in that grocery store. Hallelujah. Tears started coming out of my eyes and my wife's eyes. And we said, Sarah, what you don't realize is that we've been praying every single day that we're here, that God would lead us to those who are hungry. And we prayed it this morning. I said, Sarah, in one moment, God answered your prayers and God answered our prayers. We were all weeping and crying in the presence of God right there in that apartment in that foreign land. We began to talk. She began to tell us more of her story and began to tell us the difficulty that she had been living in, living a gypsy, a nomadic life. Uh, she, she couldn't go back to China for various reasons and at some points even living on people's couches. Just a very difficult, sad story. But before the night was over, around 11.30 p.m., amen, I felt the Lord impress us to pray with her again and she was open to it, amen. And I decided to just go for it because I knew this is the only chance we'd get. I took her to the book of Acts chapter 19 that explains how Paul came across a group of believers who had not yet received the Holy Ghost because Paul recognized that they were believers and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? Paul's clearly uh, uh, creating a distinction between belief and the reception of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so they said, no, we have never even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. Paul said, unto what then you were baptized? They said, we're baptized unto John's baptism. And Paul preached the gospel to him, just like I'm doing to you today. Paul said, well, then you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And he dunked them in water in Jesus' name. And he said, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He laid his hands on their head, prayed for them. They received the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. So they were believers, but they still needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There was more that God uh, had for them and wanted to give them. That's why uh, uh, also in Mark 16, 16, it says, he that believes and is baptized, shall be saved. Amen. Because belief is a first foundational step. But when you believe and because you believe, amen, you will take those other steps of getting baptized and praying and repenting, allowing God to fill you with his spirit. So many Bible study there, that was for free. But I shared that with Sarah, amen, that night in the apartment. I said, Sarah, I I know you're a believer, but I believe God led you to us for, for one of the main reasons that this is the more, this is the more that God wanted you to receive, why we were connected. I said, are you open to praying for this experience of speaking in other tongues? And she said, yes, I am. Amen. And so at 1130, we began to pray for her. I told her I was going to lay my hands on her head. I put my hand on her head. Amen. She later said that even though I was barely touching her and not because of me, but because of God, there was a weight that came over her so she could barely stand. Amen. She fell to her knee fell to her knees, buried her head in the couch and began to pray. Amen. We continued to pray. And she went in a few minutes from speaking Mandarin to speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God gives her the utterance. And right there in that foreign land, God filled Sarah. Amen. A prodigal daughter who was far from God in a foreign land filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. And she said, Brennan and Briar, I know that this is real. I didn't know that this was real, but now I know that this is is real. I'm telling you, it's time for an outpouring. God is still pouring it out all over the world. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. All you got to do is repent. All you got to do is lift your heart to God. God will receive your repentance and you can be filled in just a few minutes right here in Watertown at Jesus Church. Oh, somebody praise him if you believe that.
And we still don't have everything figured out yet. And, and we're, we're, we're in contact with her and we're sending messages and we're, we're trying to do some long distance dis- discipling. Amen. But we really, we felt like that was the reason why we're supposed to s- stay. Amen. Because God will send a preacher and his wife or a man or a woman all the way across a nation, all the way across a world, across an ocean, across two oceans, whatever, all the way around the world to find one person that needs the Holy Ghost that's hungry and ready for it. The Bible says, the God we serve is the God that leaves the 99 and goes after one. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. And if God would send us all around the world for that person, then I'm sure that God has us here today for a reason. For somebody here today that needs a renewing, needs an outpouring, needs the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're here struggling with depression, fear, and anxiety. Can I tell you the greatest remedy for depression, fear, and anxiety is the power of the Holy Spirit. As someone standing here before you that didn't always live for God, a teenager that knows what it's like to have anxiety attacks so bad that I would have to pull over to the side of the road and hyperventilate. I couldn't breathe because I was living in such sin and my sin was causing me such anxiety and such depression and fear. I would wake up in the morning wondering why I was alive, wondering what my purpose was, had suicidal thoughts. Amen. My life was hopeless and empty. Amen. But the outpouring of the spirit, the, 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 the God's presence, God's love changed all of that. And one day at 17 years old, I got on my knees and repented of my sins in a small storage closet in a basement in St. Louis, Missouri. And God took this young kid. God took me back. He renewed me. The Holy Spirit came into that room and I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And I've never had suicidal thoughts since. That was 10 years ago. I've never had that depression since. I've never had that anxiety since. I'm here to tell you, it's time for an outpouring because the power of God's Spirit is still the answer for the world today. The power of God's love is still the answer for broken hurting hearts today oh i wish somebody would praise him right now if you believe that but preacher you don't know what i've done I don't need to know. Jesus knows it all, and he still loves you. And if you're willing to repent, he, of course, will still forgive you. Amen? If, 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 uh, if God could take the apostle Paul, which he was previously known as Saul, if he could take a man who used to persecute Christians and turn him into a persecuted Christian, if God could take a man that committed murder and turn him into one of the most influential, powerful apostles that ever lived, then God can do anything for any one of us in this place. It doesn't matter how dark your past is, how dark your sins are. It doesn't matter what you've done even recently. I'm telling you, one moment of repentance can change everything. And if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you see, repentance, God receives it and forgives. But it's baptism in Jesus' name that washes away the record of all sins, past, present, and future forever. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, amen, you can have the record of all your sins washed away today. We can arrange that for you today. Amen. And the best part of it, it's free. Amen. See, that, that may not excite you all that much. Maybe, maybe your life has been lily white and spotless clean. And if so, that's great. Maybe your whole life you've been soaring with the eagles. But this old boy, I've, I've got a receipt that I could not pay. I've got a bill that I could not. My laundry list of sins, if you were to tally it up on paper, it would probably stretch around the entire state of South Dakota five or six times. I've got a lot of regrets. I've made a lot of mistakes. So when someone came to me and said, all the record, the whole receipt, the whole bill has been paid for, and all you got to do 
to receive it is to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And the record, that whole receipt can be washed away forever. Hey, you would have had to hold me back from the throat to keep me from diving into the waters of baptism. I am thankful that I can have all my sins washed away by the blood of Jesus in the waters of baptism. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. For those who want to enter the kingdom of God, we must be born of water and of spirits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying here. On the day of Pentecost that we mentioned about in our text, there were basically two types of people. And I know this is a gross oversimplification, but there were two types of people just as there are today. Okay. There were observers and there were participators. All right. Stay with me. There were those on that day, amen, that uh, hung out on the sidelines and some of them were just confused, didn't say much watching what was happening. Then there were some that weren't only observing, but they were mocking. They were actually making fun of these tongue talkers. And, and, and they were not fond of what was happening. And so there was observers. But then there were those who were participators who said, I don't know what all of this is about, but there is something incredible, dynamic, and powerful coming from that group of people over there. And whatever they have, I want what they have. There were people that decided to participate because they said, you know what? I've tried doctors. I've tried lawyers. I've tried friends, relationships, drugs. I've tried everything. I've tried entertainment and nothing worked for me. So why don't I go over there to that group of 120 crazy folks that are speaking in tongues? Because I believe they have what I need. And that's exactly what they did. And by the time the day was over, 3,000 more participators, 3,000 more people were added unto the church. Their lives changed forever. Amen. I'm glad that I'm preaching today, not just to a group of observers. I'm glad I'm preaching to participators that are here in the house of God today. By the way, if you wonder why we lift our hands and why someone's running around the aisles earlier and we clap our hands and do a little jig and stuff, it's because we are participating, amen, in the presence of God and in the power of God. We're not here to just observe. We're here to participate. That's why we worship. That's why there's people lifting their hands right now. We are participating with what God is wanting to do. That's why Luke 17 and 20 says the kingdom of God does not come by observation. That's because it only comes by participation. We must respond. Amen. Amen. Some of you, some of you may say, well, I I, I won't believe it until I see it. But, but God's response as as you already know is, well, you won't see it until you believe it. Because the power in the kingdom of God is hidden to those who do not believe. That's why you can be in a service, and there's no, there's no, there's no hard feelings here or anything like that. Uh, but, but that's why you can be in a service sometime, and if you see one person responding, lifting their hands, prying, uh, crying and praying, amen, you can tell they're feeling something. But then you can look just a few seats down, and if someone maybe doesn't believe or someone doesn't want to pray, they may be in a totally different state of mind, not feeling what that other person's feeling. Right? It's not that the kingdom of God isn't here or that the kingdom of God is only available for one person. It's that the kingdom of God does not come by observation but by participation. That's why it's so important what we do in service, lifting our hands, opening our mouth, praising God. That's why in a few minutes when we come forth and pray, it's going to be important for you to pray with your mouth, to repent of your sins with your mouth, and then begin to worship him and thank him with your mouth. That's how the Holy Ghost will come down, through your participation, through you showing God that, hey, I believe and I want to receive this experience. How many know this is true? Amen. So it takes our faith. It takes our involvement. And, uh, this is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom seek and ye shall find anybody heard these scriptures before you say, why Jesus, why would you do that? Well, it's not because Jesus wants to play games. It's not because Jesus wants to send us on an unnecessarily long search for no reason, but it's because he wants us to participate. He understands the value of our participation. Even when we don't, 
right? He knows how badly we need him. There are sometimes he is just waiting on us to acknowledge how badly that we need him. We don't obtain riches and treasure by sitting in any area of life, but we obtain them by seeking. And that's also why in Psalms 27 and 4, the psalmist said, One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after. I desire it, but I will also seek after it. Amen? This is, this is important. This is powerful. The psalmist understood, hey, it's good to have good desires. And you're here this morning because you have good desires. And that's wonderful. That's beautiful. We're so glad that you're here. Jesus is so glad that you're here. Amen. But it's another thing to put legs to that desire and to step out and say, I'm not going to let my desire stay in the graveyard of good intentions. But no, I'm not just going to desire. I am going to seek after. I'm going to participate in this. I am going to raise my hands and lift my voice. I'm going to seek after whatever it is I need from God. I'm going to pray again for the miracle. I'm going to pray again for the Holy Ghost because I don't want to just come with good desires and leave the same. I want to do everything I can to seek after the plan and the promises of God for my life. Somebody praise him again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we, we celebrate something by participating in something. You know, you, you know, birthday parties, for example, when, that's when you're celebrating someone's birth. You're celebrating somebody. And you would never say, okay, I'm here to celebrate you. And then, I, and then if I were to say that and then I just go into a corner and cross my arms and just sit there and never wish the birthday boy or girl congratulations or never blow streamers or never celebrate, right? If, if I'm not participating, then I'm not truly celebrating, and if we want to celebrate Jesus, we've got to participate with Jesus. Amen. That's why everything we do here in the house of God on Sunday is so important. We believe as apostolic peoples that anything can happen on a Sunday morning. Everybody still with me? I'm, 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 moving, I'm, I'm closer to being done than you might think. But hear me. We believe that anything can happen on a Sunday morning. We believe that anything is possible, that miracles are possible. Amen. Miracles in body, in mind, or the miracle of the Holy Spirit. We believe that anything is possible, and that's why our faith and our uh, participation is so important. And you say, well, preacher, I, I don't know about all this. I'm new to this. Listen, you don't have to have the King James Bible memorized. You don't have to speak in perfect King James. You don't have to pray the perfect prayers. You, the Bible says that if you have faith that's even small, even the size of a small seed, amen, and you're willing to act on that, you're willing to lift your hands, repent of your sins, and talk to God, that's enough faith for God to respond to, to come down, to work a miracle in your life. Amen. So we will receive when we believe and act upon that belief. Amen. Now you might say, but preacher, okay, this is great. Thank you, preacher. Appreciate you saying that, but here's the problem, preacher. You might say, I'm just not emotional. You're up there and you're sweating like a stuck pig. And, but, you know, me, I'm just not emotional. And, uh, you know, I, I hear that. I hear, I hear that often and I get that. And certainly we all have different personalities. Thank God we don't have to be cookie cutter Christians. We got the introverts. I would say all the introverts say amen, but that would be a little ironic and counterproductive. I won't make you do that. We got the introverts. We got the extroverts. We got all the different personality types and everybody in between. Uh, but we have some, I've, I've had people that have come and told me after service, preacher, thanks for preaching that. But you see, the problem is I'm just not emotional. Well, well, let me ask you, you know, I, I would say, you know, sir, ma'am, I respectfully disagree. 
I think we are all emotional because we're made in God's image, and God is an emotional God. He just responds correctly to his emotions and doesn't let him take over and cause him to sin like it happens with us humans. But he, of course, is an emotional God. We're made in his image. We have emotions. So to those people who say that they're not emotional, what's funny is if you catch them on a Friday night at the Buffalo Wild Wings while there's maybe a UFC game going on or a football game going on, and their team scores the winning goal, they will be the first one to run across that restaurant and high-five people they don't even know and hug people and celebrate. But wait a minute. I thought that you weren't emotional, right? Those same people that say, oh, I'm just not emotional. Well, you catch them on a Saturday night in front of their television screen, in front of their favorite TV show, their soap opera. They're watching something and Johnny just broke up with Jane and Susie just broke up with Jack. And they're sitting there with a bowl of Rocky Road ice cream, tears just coming out of their eyes. But, but I'm sorry, you said that you're not emotional. Those same people that say they're not emotional, I guarantee you if your boss came to you and said, hey, we see how valuable you are, we're going to give you a $30 an hour raise. I bet you would get pretty emotional really quick. You see, it's not that we're not emotional. It's that we often, in in Western Christianity at least, we often uh, give all of our emotions to the wrong things. It's not that we're not emotional. It's that instead of giving our emotions first to Jesus, we give them to this and to this and to this and to this. And then we come into the presence of God and we shut down all of our emotions. This is something, I don't know when it started in the Western church, but we've got to understand that we will receive more of God, receive power, receive direction and miracles. When we make up in our mind, I'm not going to give my emotions to everything and everyone else, but God, no, I'm going to give my emotions first to Jesus before I give them to this and to that. And to those people over here, huh? I'm going to give them to Jesus. I'm going to lift my hands. I might leap a little bit. I'm going to lift my voice because I'm an emotional person serving an emotional God. And he deserves all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my praise. Come on, if you believe that, would you show him that for a minute? Come on, come on. The love that Jesus gives is better than a raise. The love that Jesus gives is better than a million dollars. The love that Jesus gives is better than anything this world could give. The world didn't give me my joy, so the world can't take it away. I say, take this world, but give me Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I want the musician to come if he or she can. Hallelujah. I'm coming to a close here. Mark chapter 16 verses 17 through 18 says that these signs shall follow or accompany them that believe. The Bible says in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Bible says these signs are for everyone and anyone that, that will believe. I believe there are miracles in this house waiting on people who believe. And I, and I know there's people who believe sitting in front of us right now. I know there's participators right here in this church this morning. I believe there's a miracle of the Holy Ghost to be given to somebody. I believe there's a miracle of healing that can be given to somebody. Does anybody believe that with me? Does anybody believe that with me? If God could do it, I already mentioned a piece of my testimony a little bit ago, but if God could do it for this young man who was so messed up, such such a wretch living in such sin and depression and confusion, if God could do it for this young man that that was breaking into people's homes and stealing prescription drugs out of their medicine cabinets to get a high, if God could do it for this young man that, that would that would do illegal drugs and, and even sold some for a little bit. If God could do it for this young man that at 14 years old would go to frat parties and party 
with people much older than me and wake up Saturday morning not wondering what had happened the night before. If one outpouring, if, if, if the power and love and presence of God could change all of that in my life, God can do it for anybody here under the sound of my voice. Do we still believe that? Amen. I know you do. This is such a great church, and I'm so excited about what God is about to do in just a moment. I believe with all my heart it is God's will for people to be healed in his name, and it is his will for people to be filled with his spirit. His will has not changed, and his plan has not changed. God has still been pouring out his spirit for 2,000 years. Amen. How many know that this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8, they spoke in other tongues. In Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, they spoke in other tongues. In just a minute when we pray, you will know that you've been filled when a heavenly utterance, when your mouth begins to tremble and shake and a heavenly utterance comes out of your mouth that is not your native tongue. Amen. And I'm telling you, it is the best experience on planet earth. There is no better gift than the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you're here and you're an elder or you're a child or an age between, it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, God can absolutely fill you to overflowing today. I want to tell you a story in conclusion. One of the most powerful, powerful uh, uh, examples of an outpouring of God's spirit that I ever witnessed. I was preaching in Tampa, Florida. I was in a small, small home missions church. It's only about five or 10 people in the church at the time. And I'll never forget towards the end of service, a woman came in that back door and she was crying and weeping. And uh, she came, and I guess she knew the pastor from when they both lived in New York in times past. And he looked at her, shocked to see her, hadn't seen her in years. And he said, whatever her name was, what are you doing here? She said, Pastor, I looked you up. I finally found you. She said, I'm here because my father, who also lives in New York, they had to airlift him here to a specialized hospital in Tampa, Florida. He had some kind of illness that was so severe they couldn't help him. They brought him here to Tampa. She said, and Pastor, the doctors are not giving him much hope. They've tried everything. They're good doctors doing their best, but they're not giving him much hope. She said, Pastor, you know I'm not a Christian. I'm not even really a believer. She said, but I've tried everything else and I don't know what else to do. She said, I just remember enough of you to remember that you're crazy enough to believe that God still heals people. She said, so I've come to you because I don't know where else to go and I don't know where else to turn. And he said, young lady, you came to the right place. She said, he said, can we, and I was there hearing all this. Can we visit your dad in the hospital tonight? His name was Steve. She said, no, visiting hours are closed tonight for anyone but family. She said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this handkerchief just like they did in the Bible. We're going to put oil on it. We're going to pray over it. And when you go visit Steve, your dad in the hospital tonight, I want you to slip this in his hospital gown while he's sleeping and call us in the morning with what happens. She said, okay, I'll do that. We prayed over the handkerchief in Jesus name and sent it with her. We got a call Monday morning from a very excited daughter that said, you'll never guess what happened. She said, I did what you said. And in the morning, she said, my father woke up. She said, his vitals were better than they had ever been in weeks. She said, there was a breathing tube down his throat where he could not breathe on his own for weeks. She said, but he woke up that Monday morning and everything was significantly better. He was able to take that breathing tube out of his throat. He was able to breathe on his own for the first time in weeks. uh, She said, the nurses are amazed. They expected his mental cognition to be very low and and for him to be fuzzy and his brain to have these problems. She said, no, he's speaking so well. He's sharp as a tack. The nurses and doctors are amazed. They're calling this a miracle. A miracle took place in Steve's body overnight. 
And we said, praise God. We're so excited for you and Steve. We said, God has begun the miracle. And, and Steve was still in the hospital bed with some other problems. So we said, there's more that God wants to do. God's not done. We're going to come and pray for your father. She said, yes, now you can come in person. We went to pray for Steve. We realized pretty quickly, Steve was not a Christian or a believer, but he was a good man, a kind-hearted man. And we were sitting there getting ready to pray for him, just talking about the weather and everything else. He's now in bed, but doing much better. You see, Steve was, he was a very sharp, brilliant man. He was a retired nuclear physicist, about 67 years old. His body now had been shriveled up from some of the work he did with nuclear energy. He's there in that hospital bed, but he's doing better because God worked a miracle. And so we're sitting there talking to this incredible man named Steve. And all of a sudden, in the middle of our conversation, it was as if angels must have walked into that room because Steve, who was not a Christian, all of a sudden stopped the conversation. He closed his eyes and he held out both of his hands on either side of the bed, signifying that he was ready to pray. I went and took one hand and the pastor went and took the other hand and we began to pray in Jesus' name for Steve. All of a sudden, Steve's heart monitor started going off like crazy. It was a slow beep and then it increased and it was going off rapidly and I was sure that the nurses were going to come in and shut everything down. I thought for a minute, if I'm being honest, my faith went low for a minute and I thought, God, we came here to pray for him and, and we might be killing Steve in this moment. What, what on earth is going on? And his heartbeat monitor was just going off and going off. But I realized, no hyperbole, I realized a few minutes later why his heart monitor was going off so much because it was in that moment that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus was literally entering into his heart. Because as we looked closer, we began to see Steve's mouth begin to tremble and shake. We put our ear closer, and within a few minutes, we heard a heavenly tongue come flooding, come flowing out of that 67-year-old man's mouth right there on the hospital bed. Tears coming down his face, his heart monitor beeping rapidly, speaking in a heavenly tongue. He would try to speak English, but he couldn't. He would try to speak English, and he would get maybe a word out, but the Spirit of God would take over his mouth again and he would go back into speaking in tongues flowing like he'd been doing it his whole life it was angelic it was divine it was miraculous we were amazed his daughter who was not a believer was in the room weeping and she said my dad's a scientist he does not make stuff up she said if this is happening to my dad then I know it's real and she said whatever he just got I want it too that's the kind of God that we serve I don't know about you but it is time for an outpouring of the power the presence the love, the healing, the miracle working power of God. It is time for us to see more power and more miracles, more than we've ever seen before. It's not time to be afraid. It's not time to slide back. It is time for an outpouring of the love, the healing, and the power of God. Somebody praise him if you believe that. I want us to stand all over this house and lift your hands before we go any further. Stand and lift your hands unto God and lift your voice unto Him. Come on, that's it. Before we go any further, cry out to Him. God is working. God is moving in this place. I want you to stay in the spirit of prayer. Here's what I want us to do. If you are here in this place, and we're going to give everybody an opportunity to pray and come to this altar. But if you're here in this place, 
and you have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and you would like to, I want you to slip your hand up at me so me and God know who you are. If you're here and you have not yet received the Holy Ghost, and you would like to, you would like to experience that, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. I want you to lift your hand up at me. Okay, if you're here, thank you for your honesty. Thank you so much for lifting your hands and showing me and showing God who you are. God will bless you and honor that faith. Amen. If, if, if uh, uh, you are here and you need a miracle from God, it doesn't matter what it is. I want you to raise your hand. You need a miracle from God. Any kind of miracle. Any kind of miracle. Wonderful. Thank you for your honesty. You put your hands down. If you're here and you are in pain right now and you need healing in your body, you need a miracle in your body specifically, would you raise your hand so I know who you are? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you so much. Hey man, I believe there's enough faith in this house because of what God has been doing in this church. You know, I don't know, maybe several years ago, maybe some of this could, would, would be harder to preach. Maybe all of us, maybe some of us wouldn't have been ready, but there is so much faith in this house. You could feel it during the worship service. God has been doing an incredible work in this church, and I believe there's enough faith to see the miraculous happen in this place on a Sunday morning. Amen? For every person that raised your hand, and even for those who maybe you wanted to, but you were too shy, and you know you need something from God, I'm inviting you to. I want everybody to come. Everybody that raised your hand, I want to give you an opportunity to come first. If you need healing, if you need a miracle of any kind, if you need the Holy Ghost, would you come? I know this is different. Thank you for your willingness to step out of your comfort zone. God bless you for that. God sees your step of faith. This is a big deal. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Keep on coming. If you're physically able, amen. And if you get too tired standing, amen, feel free to take a seat on one of these front chairs. We totally understand. Keep on coming. That's beautiful. Let's make room for everybody. Once everyone gets up here, of course, everyone else back there, you're invited as well. The church is invited as well to come around and pray for these folks here in just a second. What we're going to do is something you've probably done before. Amen. I believe God is going to activate our faith in this moment. But the first thing we need to do is do what Peter said. We need to repent, right? We're all going to repent of our sins. We all are sinners in need of God's grace. I'm going to repent with you. doesn't matter if you repented yesterday. We're going to repent again today. doesn't matter if you've been in church 50 years or five minutes. We're all going to repent. You don't have to say every sin that you've ever committed. Amen. But you just got to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. I'm sorry for the things I've said and done and thought. I'm turning towards the old life. I'm turning towards you. You just be real with him. Talk to God with your mouth. Let that repentance be sincere. Amen. Once you're done repenting, I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith over you. Amen. I'm going to speak a simple word of faith over you. Amen. And then I'm going to shout the word hallelujah. That word just means the highest praise, the highest worship. And when I shout that word, I want you to shout it back unto heaven. But you're not going to shout it just once. You're going to keep on shouting it. You're going to declare the word hallelujah. You're going to keep shouting the name of Jesus. Jesus, amen. And I believe the Holy Ghost and power is going to be poured out on this place. How many believe that with me? How many believe that with me? And I want you to look up here, even for some of the children, maybe that need the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand something. After you shout, don't, don't, don't shout once. Keep shouting, keep praying, because it's kind of like this. This is not a Bible analogy. This is a Brennan analogy. The more you pray, it's kind of like a glass filling up with water. You've repented. You've cleaned it out. Now you're praying, and the glass fills up. It fills up. It fills up. And it will get to the top, and it will overflow at the brim. And it will come overflowing out of your mouth, speaking in other tongues. Amen. That's the 
experience that will take place. And I don't know about you, but listen, anytime we get touched by God, if you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, listen, anytime we get touched by God, it's a beautiful thing. We should never leave the presence of God being touched by him, depressed or sad. We should always leave the presence of God rejoicing when we've been touched by him. But can I tell you, if you're here and you've not yet been filled, I want you to make up in your mind today. I'm not here just to be touched, even though being touched feels good. Getting a touch feels cool. It feels refreshing. It feels good. Oh, that's nice. But there's being touched is one thing, right? And being filled is another thing. If you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, make up in your mind, God, I'm so thankful for every touch. But today I don't want to just be touched. I want to be filled as well. Can we all agree together for that this morning? Let's lift our hands and let's begin to repent of our sins right now all across this house. Let's begin to repent of our sins all across this house. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Angels are rejoicing right now listening to you repent. Jesus is rejoicing right now listening to you repent. That's beautiful. Come on. Your prayers are not hitting the ceiling. Your prayers are going straight to heaven. That's it, young lady. This is real. That's it, young man. This is real. This is real. Try him. You've tried everything else. Try Jesus. Come on.